Hey y'all, this ad was made for the Sponsor Me Honey contest. So a little bit about me, I'm definitely a penny pitcher. I love the thrift store and a good deal. If you're like me, you probably got to the checkout screen and Google coupon codes just to see that none of them worked. That's happened to me a few times, but that's where Honey comes in. Honey is the simplest way to save. Honey is a browser extension that searches the web for the best promo codes to help you save your money. To start saving today, go to joinhoney.com slash besthoneyad to download Honey to your computer or laptop. That's joinhoney.com slash besthoneyad. Tell them Hoodoo Plant Mama sent you. Hoodoo Plant Mama. Get your soul fed. This here and the trend I possess the power from way back when That crippled was stripped from all of their kin So they had to find the magic within Ancestors and gather my herbs I conjure at my altar Voodoo play mama I manifest growth and I release trauma Child, we just out here trying to water our plants And mind our business, you know? Hey y'all, welcome to Who Do Plant Mama's podcast. I'm Lynn Nicole. And I'm Danny B. Thank y'all for joining us for our second episode. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about folklore. But before we do, uh, let's check in. Danny B, how are you doing? Man, it has been so weird. And I've been saying stuff about how the um, veil is um, getting thinner. So... <laughs> You probably seen or you may have missed it. I went in this whole rant on my IG page about how somebody's putting the evil eye on me and I don't know what's going on, but I've been feeling fucking weird and paranoid. And then I seen a tweet about how that's basically if you're spiritually sensitive, that's how a lot of people are feeling. So I've been had to take hella spiritual baths. I actually had to like maybe last week or the week before it was like the middle of the day, randomly, something just told me to go take a white bath because I was just feeling, I can't even explain it. So, um, yeah, I just been feeling a little overly exhausted. Anytime I leave the house actually, and I don't leave the house that much, but I have a class that's been meeting in person and literally every time, like both times that I have went in person and socially distanced y'all. But, um, I've just come back home and just felt like heavy and just, I don't know, really down, kind of depressed. So I've been kind of feeling kind of (laughs) weird. How about you? (laughs) I'm glad you said that. I've also been feeling a little off um, and I wasn't sure what was going on. I've also been seeing shadows Mm. (laughs) and it's terrifying. Um, I also, um, I just got back from Mississippi. I -hmm. went to go see my family, uh, and it was a nice little trip. Um, while I was there, I I did some spiritual stuff. So my family lives in my great grandmother's house, um, and she died in that house. And so like, they'll hear things like the door opening and shutting. No one's there. Footsteps. No mm-hmm. one's there but them. They'll see shadows and stuff. And and they believe in spirits. So what I did was I built an altar um, for my great-grandmother because she has pictures of her in the house. And they had them, like, tucked away in a drawer. And I was like, mm. let's put this on the table. Let's put a candle near it. Let's put some water <laughs> Um, so I did that and I also went to the cemetery to see my dead folks (laughs) and go, uh, pay respects to them. And so we, like my mother was talking about how she hasn't seen her grandparents, um, since I don't think she went to their funerals. Yeah. Um, so she hasn't ever been to the cemetery and she really appreciated that trip and just the opportunity to go see her people. Also, um, we found out that I don't know what the cemetery is doing, but I think they're like burying people on top of people because there were supposed to be two 
headstones and there was only one. So I, I think yeah. our practices are not sustainable in I know some I know some cultures they wrap you in something that basically it'll um I don't want to say decompose but maybe in your body it'll all just become one with the earth and I think that putting us in the ground in like those whatever you call them I don't know why words are leaving coffins. me yeah those okay. coffins those fancy ass coffins and then what happens to that or you casket. know it's a casket casket <laughs> and yeah and then you're running out of space too so i don't know i would actually prefer a natural burial burial which is what you're talking about where they just take your body probably take out all the organs that other mm-hmm. people need wrap you up they don't pump you with all the formaldehyde and stuff mm-hmm. and you just go back to the earth where you belong yeah I, um, did you wear a hair wrap when you went to a hair covering when you went to the cemetery? No. <laughs> That's why you've been seeing them shadows. No. <laughs> no. You probably, I mean, you probably just need a white bath too, which is, I think everybody does it differently, but you can use like coconut milk and then yeah, whatever Yeah, I else. have not bought coconut milk. I've been meaning to, even while I was there, I was like, every day I'm here, I'm going to do a white bath. Because you can do it, I think, up to nine or ten days in a row. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to do that. And I never bought coconut milk or anything. So I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> you still got time. Although, you know, water is powerful by itself, too. But um, all right. So do we let's go into some grat- gratitude since we've both been in weird spaces. And um, so you can go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. <laughs> So one, I'm grateful for all the listeners of this podcast. I'm grateful for all the support that we've gotten so far. Um, And number two, I'm also grateful for therapy. (laughs) I'm so grateful for therapy. Right now I have two therapists, a talk therapist and an EMDR therapist. Mm -hmm. And the best way I can describe EMDR is inner child work. And it's very hard. It's very draining. But going back to Mississippi, it made me realize just how much work I've done in therapy. It was the first time I was in Mississippi since I was 18 that I was not suffering from anxiety, that I didn't have a panic attack. And I was just like, oh, my God, it was the first time I felt normal Mm -hmm. in Mississippi. So I was like, this is amazing. Wow. I am also super grateful for the support we've gotten. I'm grateful for this podcast. I was actually looking forward to this all week. I was just like, oh, I get to end my week like doing the podcast because it's just, I don't know, it's really a bright spot right now in my life. And I'm super grateful for the messages, you know, that I've been receiving in such unexpected ways. Like, I have been reading um, Randall Keenan's uh, Let the Dead Bury Their Dead for uh, their dead for a um, class. And I came across something that I feel like was a message for something I've been working on creatively. And it was so random. I was like, oh, my gosh. So just little things, because I feel like I've been asking a lot for like guidance, even with my creative work, because I feel like my even my writing is something that's collaboratory with, you know, people, my ancestors, um, you know, people's stories that I'm carrying on and in my own story. So, yeah, so I'm super grateful for messages and discernment, my own discernment and receiving those messages. Um, so do you want to start talking about some African-American folklore? Yes, let's talk about some Afro-American folklore. Yay! (laughs) So I put out on the Instagram asking people what were their favorite Black folklore or folktales growing up. And a lot of people recommended The People Could Fly, American Black Folktales by Virginia Hamilton. And while I had heard of The People Could Fly, I've never read it. Um... Or at least just that folktale. I had never read it. But um, 
I checked out from the library. And so just the way that Hamilton described folktales um, and kind of how they came to be, or at least black folktales and how they came to be is like this. She said, out of the contacts the plantation slaves made in their new world, combined with memories and habits from the old world of Africa, came a body of folk expression about the slaves and their experiences. The slaves created tales in which various animals, such as the rabbit, fox, bear, wolf, turtle, or terrapin, snake, and possum, took on the characteristics of the people found in the new environment of the plantation. The rabbit known as Bravy and later called Bruh, Buh, or Bruh Rabbit became a particular favorite of the slave tellers. Rabbit was small and apparently helpless compared to the powerful bear, the wily fox, and the ferocious wolf. But the slave tailor made the rabbit smart, tricky, and clever, the winner over larger and stronger animals. Still, Bruh Rabbit sometimes got into trouble, just as the slaves did, which made him seem the more human. To the slaves, the rabbit came to be identified with themselves, which made these tales highly unusual in the animal folklore genre. Mm. So before I get to the next point, I wanted to say that um, reading this, it made me realize, well, I guess it is hoodoo. Um, it made me realize just how many folk tales were about overcoming or resisting mm-hmm. Uh, this bigger power than yourself yeah and kind of like we have that power to to overtake them because so many times it was like you know i'm not stronger than this lion but i can take this lion out because i'm smarter than this lion or i'm not faster or i'm not stronger than this alligator or this bear or whatever but it was like i can take this person out um, because I'm smarter, because I have more skills, because I can do this or I can do that. So it was just, I don't know. And it's just interesting to see how enslaved black people use these stories to kind of empower themselves and to, mm-hmm. to make them feel like they are capable and I don't know, I guess worthy or something of, yeah. of, of a better life. Yeah, and a lot of too, and I guess they they also are sometimes considered fables. There's sometimes like underlying lessons, and I feel like Randall Keenan does that with his short story collection. A lot of these uh, African American writers who write these kind of fable ish stories are very much engaged with nature, and I really love that. Um, something else I wanted to point out was uh, I read this statistic. It was back when I was on LinkedIn of where there are more animal characters in children book than black people. And so reading these folk tales, it remind a lot of them seemed familiar. Like they seem like things that I read when I was a child, even if they were not named the same. So a lot of me wonders like if a lot of these folk tales have been incorporated into our children's literature because they didn't have um, black leads or lead characters. And just if that was preserved in that way, because I'm also wondering, I'm like, how are all of these like so familiar, mm-hmm. even if I haven't heard about them specifically? So, yeah, I think some people be stealing. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> then we find out the Lion King was like based on a, another movie from. Am I making this up that the Lion King had been ripped off? And I don't know if it was from an African country or somewhere else. I've heard that it was like Hamlet. Hmm. OK. But it could like the African setting could be. Yeah, no, there's a I forgot it. Someone showed it. Someone showed a clip from where it had been stolen from. I just don't remember the origin. So I don't want to like misspeak on whether it was from an African country or from some another country. But people do be ripping off like, you know, African folklore and, and making it into something else that that divorces it from its blackness or its Africanness. So that is definitely true. <laughs> um, so to finish up this kind of 
history of folklore, Hamilton cited that after the Civil War, a John figure became the trickster hero who outwits Ole Mass, the slave owner, and wins his freedom. So I was thinking a lot about John the Conqueror, because a lot of people aren't quite sure, you know, where he comes from or stuff like that. But he was known for resisting enslavers. He was known for resisting white supremacy. And when he was murdered, he said that he was going to leave his spirit in a root. Anytime a black person needs to call on him to resist white supremacy or to protect ourselves from white supremacy, he'll be there to help protect us. So that's a little folktale too. (laughs) All right. So another part of like African-American folklore and storytelling and and passing along these different stories, I was thinking about some of the uh, stories that I grew up hearing, just like exchanging with classmates and friends. Um, and I call I call it schoolyard folklore. And I was, you know, before we started recording, I was telling Leah, man, did you ever just sit around with your friends telling stories, usually scary stories? Because um, I feel like I did that a lot. Like, I don't know, maybe it was just because we didn't have social media and stuff. But you, we used to just sit around telling each other stories. Sometimes it'll be like stories I heard my grandma told me or my auntie. I heard my grandma talking about this and they say this, you know, that kind of stuff, which is just very like black, black people love. They love a story. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, I just remember my music teacher in elementary school. She's a black woman. Every around this time, like around Halloween, every October, she would pull out like a book of scary stories. And <laughs> I used to be so paranoid every time she would read them. But yeah, I remember this one of like this woman was in a house and by herself and then like bacon started cooking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think she used to always tell us these stories were true. So I was like, someone's going to be in my house cooking bacon. <laughs> I'm like, this is not what you do to seven-year-olds. <laughs> Listen, it it was it was so much. There, one of the ones that I remember, there's a few, but I, there was one. Um, I feel like this was at every school. It was always like this rumor about the bathroom. I don't know if that was, they had that at your school, but it was always like, oh, somebody died in the bathroom or this, this, that happened, particularly in the girls' bathroom. And when I was in fourth grade, I swear, I don't know if nothing ever happened in that bathroom, but I always felt weird going in there. And it was a particular stall that all the girls always said, don't use that because that's where this girl named so-and-so, she bled to death in that bathroom. Child, I don't know. We were in fourth grade, okay? (laughs) We were nine. So, and it it just was always an eerie feeling. And then there was like this other story um, about this four-way stop in our town that was said to be, um, hunted. Like if somebody's, if somebody's standing there, you, you got to keep driving. Don't stop. Don't stop. They'll try to get a ride from you, which is, you know, four-way stops are crossroads. I, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe it's something to it, but I don't know. There were always those type of stories that we just kind of passed along and and that we would hear from somebody that heard it from somebody, which I think is just kind of a part of our long tradition as black people, even from when our ancestors were enslaved of just storytelling. You know, I just feel like that shit is inherited. Um, Yeah, I agree. Like thinking back to when I was, in elementary school, a lot of the folk tales were about like people haunting things. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it goes back to like, we have this belief that, you know, once we die, it's not the end. We can still affect this realm. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause a lot of the ones that I remember were like this woman, I forgot how she died but her name was Mary and she haunted the city cemetery. And if you go there on a full moon at like midnight, she's going to kill you or something, or you're going to see her or she's crying. I forgot Mm. what she's doing. Isn't it always women? It's always women. 
Mm. And black people love a story with a Mary in it, okay? They love a Mary. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, and it also goes back to this thing where, like, I think it's in the tradition of black people to believe and know that spirits are attached to things. Like, nothing that we're a part of is has not been impacted by the people that were there before us. So, you know, I know some people and I do it now. I didn't used to like when you go into a new apartment or unless it's a house built from the ground. But even then, you need to clear it. You need to clear it out, smoke it out with your incense or um, my friend told me rosemary is really good as a cleanser as you bundle it and burn it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything, you know, I guess try to please try to avoid using sage. You know, there's mixed beliefs about sage, but um, because it's endangered, sage I, is okay as long as it's not white sage. Okay. Because white sage is endangered. Yeah. And then some people believe it's not, uh, you know, associated with like African traditions. I, I'm not getting into that whole debate, but just try to don't, I would say don't use something that's already endangered and being over, yeah. overused because that's super unkind to the earth and, and not aligned with like, if you're a part of any kind of tradition that is rooted in the earth and that kind of thing. Yeah. And like you said, though, there are alternatives like rosemary Time. Mm-hmm. I've heard of some people using lavender. Yes, I've heard of lavender. Like there's so many things you can use. Cedar. Uh, um, a friend did me like a cedar bundle, and it smells so good. Um, and that that worked really well. So, um, but yeah, there's there's always something attached. Um, even to these streets, and I think you know, you know how like when rumors start things change over time. I think that's how stories, these oral stories that we pass on, but the truth is in there somewhere. There's always some truth attached to it. So yeah, I also, and I know one thing and you talked to your grandmother this, this weekend. And so a part of this is these old wives tales, which is connected to folklore. Cause usually it's from some kind of like, there's some kind of background story to these old sayings. So did you want to talk a little bit about that? And then I'll share some of the ones I grew up hearing. Yeah, of course. Um, So while I was home, I talked to my grandmother and we talked about a whole bunch of things. We talked about some old wives tales that she grew up hearing because a lot of things that, you know, I had talked, I referenced on the last show. I had, my mama is like this encyclopedia of hoodoo and she doesn't mm-hmm. even know it. So she was like, you know, I don't know a lot. If you need more info about this, go to your or go to her mother, my grandma. And so I did. And um, so we talked about some old wives tales. We talked about plants because I had seen this picture of my great grandmother, who is my grandmother's mother, who I'm named after. Um, is her and my brother because she died when my brother was like one. So, and I had seen this picture most of my life and it wasn't until two years ago, I noticed like beside her was a pot with a stick in it. And I was like, is that a plant? (laughs) So I asked my grandma about that and she was like, yeah, she was a avid gardener and she had plants all around the house, all in the house. And we talked about that. And then we, she was watching Walker when I was <laughs> taping her. So she started talking about that too. But anyway, if you want to listen to the whole interview, we're going to put it on Patreon at our flower tier. So you can listen to our whole conversation, but I'm going to insert a clip of her talking about an old wives tale. <laughs> I don't know about, you know, where it came from, what it meant, but they just had all these sayings like, uh, when, you, when you said that, I thought about, they said if you cut, if you clip your baby's fingernails off, he'll be a thief, or he'll steal, but, if you, but you're supposed to bite them off until they get about seven, eight months old. i tell you something my mama made me do when I had Shonda. She wouldn't let me go when I, the first time I went out of the house after I had had her, cause she, I had to stay inside, not even go out on the back porch, nothing, until she was one month old. 
before I could go anywhere else, I had to go out the back door, walk all the way around the house, and come back in the back door. Don't ask me why. <laughs> do not ask me why. That's what I was told to do. That's what I did. Okay. I also did not wash my hair during that month. I didn't get in the bathtub. I washed up the sponge, and I just kind of wiped over my hair. Don't ask me why. That's what I was told to do. Okay. Since we're on pregnancy... I there I don't know if you ever heard this, but I heard you're not supposed to let a pregnant person do your hair or your hair will fall out. I <laughs> asked my mother and she was like, yeah, I have heard of that. Mm-hmm. I noticed that a lot of these, like even what my grandma was talking about, and a lot of these old wives tell are centered around like pregnancy and childbirth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one that this is you may have heard this but you're not supposed to take a picture of the dead and for some reason people love going to funerals taking pictures of people in their caskets and I'm just like but you know there was um and I've heard of this too I don't know if it was in a movie or something about um pictures oh yes somebody I don't know who this was it was an older person that went into more detail with me with this about how pictures capture the soul or something like that um you're not supposed to take a picture of the dead for that reason either way if y'all know if y'all know what I'm talking about and you can explain it better feel free to email us and and let us know but (laughs) it's something about how pictures capture your soul you're not supposed to take pictures of dead people um, or something like that. I, you know, being in Mississippi and in the country, especially, you hear all kind of weird shit. I'm just gonna be honest. You are not lying. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It a lot of it does surround like and women, and I feel like a lot of these are always like very gendered. Like it's always something with women, or women not supposed to do this, or you're not supposed to let this person do that, or pregnant, all kind of weirds. Oh my gosh, your grandma, she talked about the biting fingernails thing. Yeah. I have always wondered, I've seen that. Like I've seen people do that to their newborns. And I'm like, why why are you biting off their fingers and toenails? Why are you just going to clip it? And a part of me thought it was just like, oh, it's because they're so young and they don't want to hurt them with the clippers. And I'm just like, there's baby clippers. So maybe it's attached to that. But there's also this thing that we do where we don't know that it's attached to some kind of old wives tale, but we just do it because our mama did it and her mama did it. My grandma told me too, speaking of people keeping secrets, and being an encyclopedia <laughs> not telling you that her mama always said that you don't wash clothes the Sunday or Saturday before New Year's and you never wash clothes on New Year's Day or something like that. I got to go back and ask her, but it was yeah, something like... I've heard about the not washing clothes on New Year's Day because you're going to get buried in them that year. Hers, I didn't hear that as the, as the thing that would result... Um, but yeah, it's, it's just bad luck to wash clothes on, um, New Year's day. And I think she said the weekend before or the Sunday before New Year's day. So her mama never did that. Speaking of New Year's day, there is the tale about greens and black eyed peas, Mm -hmm. black eyed peas for good luck, greens for, uh, money. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I... (laughs) A lot of black families are religious about that. Sometimes they don't even know the meaning behind it. They just, you got to have, we got to make sure we have some greens of like our peas because that's how our grandma always did it. So, yeah. And in addition to like earlier, you were talking about our families doing things and not even knowing it. Like, I don't even know why babies aren't supposed to get their hair cut to one but it's something that's always done. And I and I asked my grandma, I was like, do you know why? And she's like, no, but you just don't do it. Yeah, I feel like I always be attributing stuff to like um, safety. But I ain't never really seen a black person cut their baby hair before one. Like usually it's, I feel like people be, it's particularly, you know how people are with little boys 
quote unquote, um, <laughs> no, I said quote unquote, but you know, um, <laughs> them not having long hair. And so, but still they like wait a really long time to cut their hair. Like it's a big deal when, when a little boy gets his hair cut. Um, and then of course, you know, little girls, people, are obsessed with them having long hair or longer hair. So, but yeah, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of not, but I, I can't say that I know of a black person who be cutting their baby hair before one. It seemed to me too, just like the soft spot is still there in the head and all of that stuff. Maybe. It just seems dangerous anyway to be, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ooh, another one, another one. So, and I can't say that I do this, but you know, people be saying, if you, you know, don't be leaving around no brush with your hair in it. If you cut your hair, make sure you get it all up. Some people believe in keeping your old hair because people can work on you with your hair or different parts of your DNA. And I just feel like I never really, first of all, I didn't, I just now start hearing about that as I can't say as an adult, I just think I didn't pay attention as a kid about the whole dynamic of like, don't be letting people have strands of your hair or be careful don't leave hair in combs and brushes but now I probably would be a little more mindful <laughs> of that but I'm you know I'm locking my hair so I don't really got to worry about that too much as far as brushes and combs so but yeah I know um growing up I always saw my mother burning her hair and I didn't know why she did it I didn't even ask I was just like that's weird so I started doing it because she did it um, and so recently when I went home, I asked her, you know, why she did it. And she was like, she was told from, you know, the old people way, way back in the day that you do it. So that way birds don't get a hold of your hair and set a nest because you'll have a headache for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I was like, interesting. Cause I read about that in Mojo working, not for my mother. <laughs> Wow. Wow. But yeah, so she knew about it. That was one of the reasons. Other reasons were, yeah, people can use your hair and your fingernails to do workings on you. So you have to burn it. Yes. Fingernails too. And also, I remember the first, I was a teenager because I didn't start carrying purses until I was a teenager. And my aunt popped me for putting my purse on the floor. And she was like, after that, I I always avoided it because she was serious. She was like, girl, don't you, don't you ever put your purse on the floor. You'll never have money. You'll always be broke. And I was like, I was shook. I mean, it wasn't like extreme, but it was definitely like, she was serious. She was serious. <laughs> So, I, and then now when I see it, I have like a visceral reaction, like, oh my gosh, don't put your money, don't put your purse on the floor like that. Oh my, no, no. And I mean, also the floor is nasty. Don't do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> I found out about that um, because there was a picture of Beyonce sitting courtside with her purse on the floor. <gasps> and someone was like, all of our grandmothers lied. And I was like, what are they talking about? And they're like, all black people know about this. And I was like, I don't know. So I asked my mother and she was like, yeah, like way, way back in the day, they say, if you put your purse on the floor, you'll always be broke. And I'm like, why don't you tell me these things? Listen, she probably had, she probably, I feel like it, it, if you carry money in your purse, that's the case. Beyonce ain't carrying no money in her purse. But also, you know, we don't know what she got going on behind closed doors. It might also just bring bad luck in general. So maybe. (laughs) um, But yeah, you never know. Listen, I ain't finna be calling my ancestors lies. If you say if you say that I don't need to be putting my purse on the floor, I won't. Okay, I don't care what Beyonce doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. So do you want to go ahead and take a break? Yeah, we can take a break. There are a number of ways that you can support our podcast. Light, rate, and review Hoodoo Plant Mamas on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever streaming platform you use. Give us those five stars. 
You can share our podcast with your friends, family, and social media. Follow us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. For monetary donations, you can join our Patreon where we share exclusive content like mini sews, tarot readings, and answers to your plant questions. You can also drop a donation on Cash App or PayPal. Any amount is appreciated. We'd also like to thank our new patrons, Tasha, Morgan, and Laney. And we want to thank Tasha and Jolicia for hitting us up on the Cash App. Your donations are helping to sustain our podcast. So we are always appreciative and we're sending you back all the abundance of money, love, all of that good stuff. And if you're interested in donating, we have Cash App, PayPal. You can also um, set up a pledge every month of as low as $1, or you can become a patron for as little as $3 and have access to different perks. If you are interested in sponsoring an episode, hit us up via email at hoodooplantmamas at gmail.com. We especially want to work with black POC owned and queer owned businesses. Um, But if you're a white business wanting to be a good ally and drop some coins, we'll take that too. So let's get back to the show. Okay, so I'm excited about this next part. I know that you, the, our resident conspiracy <laughs> theory enthusiast, yeah. is going to be excited. So we're going to get into a few conspiracy theories, either that you know we hold or that you know a lot of people in the Black community hold. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go first? Listen, I was... I'm trying to wrap my head around this and you know the the conspiracy theory that is mostly fun for me I don't know if I actually believe it is about birds which didn't start with black people that's some I think that's some um Gen Z stuff about <laughs> basically birds being like FBI droids <laughs> and my friends be my friends be so mad at me when I'm when I'm talking about birds in that way um, but I'll say one of my favorite conspiracy theories, I don't want to say favorite, the funniest was when we were growing up, all these Illuminati conspiracy theories that were attached to videos. I used to be on YouTube watching those videos like, oh, I didn't even notice that sign. Oh, <laughs> like seeing like, oh, I see the shadow too. They'll, they'll like have, they'll be just dissecting and picking out little things, you know, and you know, Beyonce been apparently doing rituals in her videos for the longest um so yeah those are always funny I always went down a rabbit hole with that um again I think with a lot of conspiracy theories there's like a tiny bit of truth somewhere in there sometimes sometimes but I will say something about particularly black conspiracy theories that I've been really interested in and I hope to like do some more side research on it is that a lot of our conspiracy theories have been rooted in just how we've been treated in this country. Even though some of them are problematic, I always think about um, this idea of like, you know, some people don't want to vaccinate their children because, you know, of this historical thing with the Tuskegee experiment. And just the fact that like, you know, white people and, and these, you know, white coats and that kind of stuff have been um, committing these acts of violence against us. They're still doing it in some places, CBH, um, via these missionary groups and all kind of stuff. There was a lady, uh, I don't know if that was Ethiopia or some African country where she got caught pretending to be a doctor. She had opened up this whole clinic and a whole bunch of children had died under her care. And so a lot of these stories that we pass along, like even such as like, oh, they're putting something in the water and poisoning us. But then Flint, Michigan happens. Jackson, Mississippi happens. Jackson, Mississippi had a lead problem, too. I don't know if it's still a problem, but we used to be having all kind of boil water alerts, you know. And then we all know that lead leads to like developmental issues in children. So what are we to do with that, you know? And so some of these things are born out of survive, like survival, like you cannot trust these systems because all these little systemic things are killing us. And it may not be that like somebody is for real, for real, like 
putting pumping some substance in the water, but there are things being neglected and it's resulting in our children drinking lead water and our children having all these issues in school. And then that leads to a whole cycle of just different problems. So not to get all serious, but I, I, you know, even though some conspiracy theories be making me scratch my head, um, I also understand that at the root, there is some truth and it's kind of just all a part of that oral tradition of us passing down stories um, about our experiences being in this country, about our experience dealing with enslavement, about our experiences of oppression and all these different ways that these power structures are tr- really are trying to kill us, you know? So anyway, we can get to the fun stuff if you want. <laughs> Since I just went all dark. I don't know if this is a fun conspiracy theory but it is something that I have been thinking about so I had wrote this poem um I moved to Florida and two weeks later Hurricane Irma hit Mm -hmm. so I wrote this poem about Irma and just like because at that time I had uh been in Florida for two weeks I had visited for a week so I spent like three weeks here total um And I noticed after the hurricane came through, it was just like Florida had been washed because usually it's hot, it's humid, it's miserable. Um, And then after Irma, it was calm. uh, Like the skies were clear. It wasn't, it was a lot drier. And I noticed that each season after that, it wasn't like that anymore. And I remember the next year there was red tide and it was really bad and people were praying for a hurricane because they're like, this is the only thing that will fix this at this time. And that was the year that Michael came Mm -hmm. through. Um, And it did. It fixed the red tide. It wasn't a problem anymore after Michael hit. But Michael was very destructive. So I was thinking about this idea of destruction and whether or not these storms were actually destroying um, the earth or whether it was reclaiming it because where I live, the Everglades is a third of the size it was because a lot of it has been drained to make houses and stuff. Um, A lot of the terrain here has been wiped out for development for houses. Um, And I was reminded of a friend back in college. Her name's Maya. She was a geology major and Mm -hmm. she got upset one day because in class she learned that most of our natural disasters in Mississippi was tornadoes. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of our natural disasters like tornadoes, hurricanes, they would not be as devastating if white people didn't come here and completely change the landscape for quote unquote civilization. Mm -hmm. Because the earth would have protected us if we lived with it instead of trying to control it. Um, so I was thinking about water as this tool of reclamation, Mm -hmm. as coming back and reclaiming the land for itself and how we see it as destruction because we destroyed it and tried to claim a land that wasn't ours. And not just that. So I'm, I didn't, this didn't come from me. It came from millennial soul food on Mm -hmm. Instagram. They posted this picture that was like, um, have you noticed that hurricanes always form off the West coast of Africa Mm. and then come to the Southeast of the United States? And I was like, Hmm. So it made me wonder if these are like African water spirits who are coming to reclaim us because we belong to Africa. We don't belong to this land. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just that, it was also Juju Bay who was talking about, um, how a lot of black people will drown like in Lake Lanier and stuff because they're black people under um, the lake. But like sometimes it's African water spirits being like, Hey, you're home and kind of embracing you back into the water. So whereas we see it as death, they see it as returning home. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was thinking about all of this. I don't know how to make this a like, concise conspiracy theory but it just it made me think about kind of like 
or look at natural disasters in a different way, not as this tool of destruction, but a tool of reclamation. And because we have been so harmful, or maybe I should say colonizers, have been so harmful to this land and to the people and to the animals, the earth is trying to take it back. And Mm -hmm. it's going through some very extreme measures to do that because of how much damage has been done. Yeah, you know, one thing, one day, which... And this is not to like diminish the the chaos and and <laughs> all the different ways that really those most marginalized suffer from what we call natural disasters because a lot of them are because of colonialism, mm-hmm. capitalism, that kind of thing, and of course we suffer. Um, but I have wondered about this idea of natural disasters actually being the earth resetting itself. Um, Cause I think a lot about how, and I don't remember, I wish I always be one to credit people, but sometimes it's just casual conversation about how, um, the earth, we always talk about saving the earth as if we, you know, that, that kind of puts us in this, on this level of like, we're somehow above the earth. We somehow can save the most powerful, um, something that is way more powerful and grand than us on an individual level, even humans collectively, we are not, you know, we don't have any dominion over the earth, but like, no, we, we, we aren't destroying the earth. The earth is going to purge, you know, whatever it is that is harming it. Like the earth will reset. We won't destroy it. We'll destroy our, ourselves. Like at the end of the day, when, when we're gone, the earth will still continue. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, when we call it natural disasters, I wonder if it's just this resetting and also like all of it. I mean, there's so much when it comes to like the oceans and water, there's so much violence that the water has absorbed. Just even the fact that we were brought over on our ancestors were brought over on slave ships and some of them jumped. Some of them jumped. Some, who knows? Some of them were thrown over. I mean, it was, who knows what was happening, but just the fact that like these passages, all of these passages of bringing people from their lands happened through water, you know, when you, when you really think about it. So, yeah, I mean, I think conspiracy theories, um, they're so layered, but I also think they're a way that people make sense of their of, of what's happening in their lives. It's, it's a way we make mm-hmm. sense of these crazy things that are constructed. They're constructed to oppress us and destroy us. And like, you know, there's some, sometimes there's something to it. So now we can get into some fun stuff now. So aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix? I have not seen the newer one, but I used to watch the older one when I was younger, which used to scare. I mean, I loved it, but it was so creepy. It was so creepy. It was creepy. They had an episode on aliens. And Mm -hmm. so all across New England, it was like 10 different people who on the same night all reported seeing, you know, a UFO coming through. Mm -hmm. There was a loss of time. And stuff like that. So it freaked me out. I was like, aliens, I know you're here. Please don't take me. <laughs> you know, I I do like, I, I believe that, I don't believe they look the way we think they look. I really don't. Um, speaking of aliens, to being real, um, there's this film and I'm going to find it and find the name of it from a friend where basically the United States government got in, got in contact with some aliens or something. And the deal was that they would fix all the problems happening in the country or in the world if they handed over all the black people. All the black people. Yes. And... There was this whole thing where they started marketing it to the black people and um, basically trying to sell it. But then there was on the other side, there was someone saying, you know, you know, if they think that we're going to get like a good deal out of this, like they're going to take us to this like utopia, 
you know, they're not going to want us to go because they don't want us to enjoy anything without them. Like they would hate the idea of black people going somewhere where they have a better life. So it was like these two, um, there was like these two kind of, uh, organizing groups against black people going to wherever they were going with these aliens and staying. And eventually, you know, of course the government made a decision that all black people were going to go. So it became like you either went, was going to go voluntarily, which most of them did because most of them had been convinced that it might be a better life over there for them. And then there were some people trying to get out of it. In fact, at the little round table meet, meeting they were having, and I'm going to find this and post it. Maybe we can attach it to the podcast so people can go find it. But um, the black man that was a part of this whole deal, who I guess he thought that somehow he was going to not get sent. They came to his house and forcibly took him like they convinced him that he would be safe because he's on their side. And they came to his house and forcibly took him. Um, and his wife tried to darken her skin because his, his wife was super light skin and they were like, no, you're not going. So it was also kind of like this weird thing where like lighter skin people were not eligible to go. But the real lesson is that is you working with the ops against black people and thinking that you're safe as a black person because that man wasn't safe. He was at the table basically coming, basically in agreement. Like he got on board with this whole idea of like, we're going to send the black people off because they said they would fix all our problems on the earth, on this, in this country. And um, your family is safe. We promise all his family was safe, except for him. His family was super light skinned which we ain't got to get into that. But yeah, so they ended up coming like it was like one of the white men that were at the table with him. They came with like these security and they got him. They were like, no, nah, you're going. And it was like this whole line. Like it was very eerie. It was very eerie, but it was I'm gonna find it. Um, but it was basically about black people, black people getting traded. So white people and light skinned people could have a utopia without us <laughs> who knows where we were going the aliens just made that deal so girl who know they probably was taking us to go be enslaved again oh <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that is not funny but yeah i'm gonna find that movie that was oh, it was kind of weird it was very it was sci-fi-ish but very dark so i think we did a show i think that's <laughs> it for folklore and conspiracy theories yeah feel free to share us any conspiracy theories we may have missed or maybe we you know maybe there's something to add to some of the old wives tales that we talked about but this show is kind of like in honor of halloween and you know all of that (laughs) even though i don't think it was that creepy i guess the aliens taking black people was a little creepy (laughs) Yeah, it's a little scary. I don't want the aliens to take me. If they can hear me, please don't take me. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so I guess that wraps up the show. Um, you can follow and tag us on IG and Twitter. Um, and then stay tuned. Next episode is we're going to be talking about God and finding God in nature and, and also some of the... Um, the literature, the black literature that kind of engages with this idea of God being all of the different aspects of nature. It's going to be a really interesting episode. We're super excited about it. We're also, you know, just a reminder that we're writers. So we're going to be talking a lot about just the aspects of writing and hoodoo and nature and that kind of thing. So did you have any other thoughts, Leah? No, I didn't. All right. Thank y'all for joining us and stay tuned for our next episode. This show was created and produced by a black girl named Danny and a black girl named Leah. Our music was produced by a black girl named Tasha. Hootie plant moments. Y'all be blessed. Bye. Bye.